hard to believe it's already day four of this year's Wigtown Book Festival. Hello, I'm Peggy Hughes. I'm your host. Thank you for joining us. 2020 is Scotland's year of coasts and waters, and we're marking this with two episodes celebrating the sea, the sea, the rivers and coastlines around us. Don't miss our second episode, which will be released during the week, which will feature the slinger of the Solway, Tony Wood, and the Shetland-based writer, Donald S. Murray. Make sure you're subscribed to us wherever you get your podcasts so that you don't miss it. But on this episode, we talk to two women, Vicky Allen and Anna Deacon, who are dedicated to the joys of wild swimming. We include readings from three of the brilliant local poets, Celia Donovan, Fiona Lindsay and Peter Roberts, who have been featured in Hugh Macmillan's daily spotlight on our website during the festival. But let's take a turn toward the positive world of wild swimming. The thrill of plunging or dipping a toe into open water brings joy, confidence, adventure and friendship. It can wash away stress and sadness, pain and grief. A place to feel gloriously, elementally alive and in touch with yourself and others and with nature. Full of life-affirming personal stories and breathtaking images of scenery and swimmers. Taking the Plunge by writer Vicky Allen and photographer Anna Deacon celebrates the remarkable wild swimming community. Thank you, Vicky Allen and Anna Deacon, for joining us on the Wigtown Book Festival podcast to discuss your stunning book, Taking the Plunge, The Healing Power of Wild Swimming for Mind, Body and Soul. So this beautiful book came out in 2019, but I suspect that your own relationships to wild swimming probably started quite a bit before that. Anna, can I come to you first and could you just say a little bit more about you and how and more especially why you started cold water swimming? I have always enjoyed going in the cold water but about four years ago just over four years ago I moved back up to Scotland got into swimming in the sea with my cousin I just carried on I just absolutely loved it I'd forgotten how much I'd missed it I was in London for 20 years I'd forgotten how much I missed being by the sea and being able to just jump in the cold water I just yeah I haven't stopped it's been absolutely fantastic lovely and same to you Vicky yeah so um, I mean I had always been into a nice cold dip from really very young like when I was a teenager there's actually a bit of footage of me when I'm about 18 years old running down the beach at Cockleburn which is in Northumberland throwing off my clothes as I run into the sea and um, the snow on the beach around me so I always had a bit of a thing for the cold water but I wouldn't have said I was a wild swimmer and then basically I'd been watching the wild ones Facebook which is the swimming group in Edinburgh for a while I'd been a member and thinking that I wanted to do that join in but around the same time two things happened a friend of mine Bryony said oh do you want to chum me to join the wild ones effectively and she wanted to do that because she'd lost her mum and she felt she'd been told by a friend of hers that going into the water would really help so I said yes I really wanted to because I could really relate to that and about the same time a friend said to me are you into wild swimming and I said yes it's the first time I'd actually said I'm into wild swimming and she said because there's someone that I think you should meet I think you two should do a book together and it turned out to be Anna (laughs) Great. That's how you two bonded by a mutual love of why. If you were on Only Connect, you'd be called the Wild Swimmers, let's put it that way. Can I ask a technical question before we go further, which is just, is there a difference between cold water swimming and wild swimming? Are they just the same? They're sort of used interchangeably, but wild swimming, I I mean, some people sort of frown on the term wild swimming and they'll say, you know, it's just like swimming, isn't it? But I suppose the thing about wild swimming that originally from the Roger Deacon book, which I think he's the first person that who really used the 
the term, is it was kind of going in waters that people thought you shouldn't really go into, that they were either sort of unsanitary or too wild, you know, sort of going beyond the normal sort of safe places um, to swim, which is not to say that what we do is unsafe, but I think it just got a little bit of, at that time, any of that kind of swimming in a river in the sea was considered a little bit not quite normal. Thank you for clearing that up. I've always wondered, I've heard them sort of used interchangeably, so that's good to know. Now, something you said there, Vicky, about you wouldn't have called yourself a wild swimmer, something about the identity or being allowed to lay claim to this as an identity. I mean, what does that identity as a a sort of as cold water women mean to you, Anna? Is that something you are now in acceptance of? Yeah, I think so. I'm not a great swimmer as it happens. I'm quite a nervous swimmer. And I think for me, a lot of it's about the adventure and it's the thrill of the cold and it's just doing something a little bit epic as opposed to going for some, you know, full-on swimming exercise. Wild swimming (laughs) suits me a bit more than perhaps cold water swimming somehow sometimes makes me think perhaps more of triathlon training, whereas for me, more of a kind of a wild jump in a lock and then, you know, jump out and run and get a hot chocolate, you know. (laughs) It's sort of slightly two different things for me, but definitely I would consider myself, yeah, a cold water lover these days. Yeah, it is an an identity that I'm comfortable with, yeah. Vicky? Yeah, I mean, I like both terms, actually. I think wild swimming, I do actually quite like the word wild. It's got that appeal. It makes you feel like you're doing something really adventurous. I like also the idea of being part of what is now called the wild swimming community. It does seem to be that's what it's called. Yes, I enjoy that identity. But also the cold water swimming, I like that too, because it does relate to something that definitely Anna and I have both enjoyed, which is not just ordinary cold, but getting into really cold water, you know, getting under the ice, basically, or cracking the ice and getting into two, three degrees type water. And for those listening here that, like me, A, maybe can't swim, but B, have never plunged into such Arctic temperatures, can you describe for us what that instant first rush is like? The first feeling you often get is like, what on earth am I doing? (laughs) Why did I think this is a good idea? Pretty much every swim starts like that for me. But then once you stop fighting the cold and just kind of accept it, you definitely go into a different sort of space in your head. And it's quite a sort of strangely mindful experience because you really do need to be quite self-aware particularly in the really cold water and in the ice because you need to be really conscious of how you're feeling how your hands how your feet what's around you is your breathing okay how's your heart rate you know you need to be quite sort of conscious of how your body's doing and often what's around you as well you know is there ice that I could cut myself on and what's what's under my feet and actually you sort of go into like what we call a flow state where you're just completely in the moment doing that thing and you don't really think about anything else and you often get like a real sort of heat in your body as well strangely (laughs) you come out you have a what we call a swimmer's tan which is where you're sort of really bright bright red from from the cold but it's it's quite an extraordinary feeling and you definitely get a sort of huge rush of endorphins in that moment as well so you don't really need to stay in for very long to experience that fully Uh, it doesn't have to be a great long swim just a a bit of a duck and a a couple of minutes and um, you definitely get the benefits of it yeah I always say though you need to stay in long enough though to get to the other side of the pain because it is painful and if you don't stay long enough you don't get that that amazing 
feeling and I know that it's I have heard it say that not everyone gets that feeling that there's some people who go from the shock of the cold being in that to just actually almost you know the sort of chill of hypothermia but there is a space in between <laughs> that most of us can inhabit I think which is euphoric and you feel like you've got this fire within you and also this this kind of quietness within you at the same time. It's this funny combination. Sounds really wonderful. I want to ask you, of course, about the book. And, and, you know, you've already mentioned that you were sort of match made, as it were, to write this. But before I do, could you say something, Anna, just about the Instagram account, Wild Swimming Stories, and how it relates or complements the book? Uh, Yeah, so I started the Instagram. I had, before I met Vicky that autumn, I was having a bit of a burnout and cancelled a lot of my commercial work and just decided to do something that was a bit more relaxing um, just and creative. And I got into photographing the beach and the water. And then I started thinking, actually, it'd be nice to photograph some of these amazing swimmers that I'd started meeting on my regular swims because I started swimming at my local beach, Wardy Beach in Edinburgh by Granton Harbour. It's a scrubby little city beach, but a group of us started swimming there. And I, I started meeting these complete strangers. I didn't know loads of people in Edinburgh. And I met some of these people at the beach and just started to hear the reasons why they were going swimming. And I was just fascinated to hear their stories. And uh, I started asking people if they'd mind if I took their portrait in the water as they swam and tell me, you know, answer a couple of questions about themselves and why they were swimming. I started the Instagram really as just a place to put this project. I didn't really know what I was going to do with the project. I just wanted to do something creative. And that's where the Instagram started. And it just sort of grew arms and legs because I think people were, a lot of people sort of have sat on the sidelines of this swimming thing and thought, maybe I quite like to try that, but it's probably not for me. Uh, But then they're starting to read about people who perhaps they could relate to something they're going through with their mental health or perhaps they saw someone who looked like they did in a swimsuit, not like a swimsuit model like we'd see in in the magazines. And I think that sort of really seemed to, you know, resonate with people. And so the Instagram sort of grew and, and I met Vicky quite soon after that. Yeah, we decided to try and kind of grow it into a book and get these stories from people and travel all over Scotland and and find people with wonderful stories and put them all together with photographs and, and make a book out of it. So that's kind of where it all started. And Vicky, pass it over to you then. Can you say a little bit about your, you know, when you came on board and yeah, maybe a little bit more about the, those journeys around Scotland. It sounds absolutely idyllic to travel around to wonderful wild swimming spots. Tell us a bit more. It was amazing. It was a, we had one particular trip where we sort of headed off through the Trossachs, Loch Lubnig, up to Oban and then on to Skye and just went to these amazing spots. But in terms of when Anna first talked to me about what she was doing with the Instagram stories, I remember being really struck back then by actually how incredible some of them were. And, you know, we, there really were some amazing stories of people who'd, you know, either been, you know, there was one woman that who had been sort of virtually unable to get out of her bed. She had, it was Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. And somehow getting in the water had got her from that to recently she swam the channel or she was part of a team that swam the channel, which is just incredible. So, and there was many stories like this of all different types, people who'd gone there because of depression or or not maybe not because of depression, because sometimes it was just that people went there 
And then they found that there was something that getting in the water gave them. And so a lot of the people we talked to hadn't gone there because someone said, oh, you're depressed, you must get down to the water. It's just they'd somehow found their way there and found that this was helping them. Um, but the trip, yeah, do you want to know more about the trip? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, please. Yeah, give us give us some of the top best locations. <laughs> I mean, I feel like the, there was there was something about that trip that every time, every swim we did seemed to stretch us a little bit. And certainly for me, it stretched me. So we went swimming in Log Arcade with Morag, who's this um, another another channel swimmer. And uh, we we started swim, swimming across this huge lock. And I'm not a big triathlon type swimmer or anything like that I'm just a little sort of paddler around her in the cold water and um and she was like oh yes we're just going to swim all the way over there and I just remember setting off and thinking maybe I can do this and then we got to sky didn't we and but you swam all the way And and also there was like Matt who was getting us to jump into waterfalls and suddenly you realize that you can do all this. But um, I, you know, that it was, it was a real like testing the limits of what I was comfortable with and finding that I, and I think that was a theme that we really came to in the book that, that, that thing about getting out of your comfort zone in some way and how good that was for you. I definitely felt that I did that on lots of occasions with doing the book, probably more so than I might have done if we hadn't done the book. Yeah, no, I, I, that's, that's one, that's wonderful. I think one of the things that comes across as well is just that, and you mentioned it there, just that sense of community, the people you met and, and that you're, united by this one shared love but otherwise it's anyone you know you can be a paddler about her or as you said or a triathlete why why do you think it has such mass appeal do you know what I mean like it really brings people together despite ability or I think that there's something about getting into the cold water that that does bring out the sort of childish side of yourself you know it's like a lot of sort of whooping and squealing and everybody's also sort of looking out for each other as well so when, when you go on a big group swim which sadly we can't do at the moment um we we had a regular Sunday swim down at the local beach and sometimes there'd be three or four people other times there'd be 30 people it de- totally depend on the weather really but there was every sort of different age there was men women children didn't really matter people brought their dogs sometimes there was a bonfire and hot chocolate and it wouldn't be the same people every week. Mostly you didn't know people's names. You could just rock up and smile at them and everyone sort of looks out for each other. I can't really think of any other sport perhaps where that would happen or yeah. uh, where there's such, it's it's really accessible for any ability. So some people would sort of swim right out to the end, the boys really far out and, you know, they'd be there in the sort of speedos and swim hats and uh, other people would just be sort of staying in their depths, swimming up and down or just sort of having a quick dunk, shoulders under and out, you know, and it really is something, there's something for everyone. But yet you're also united in this sort of sense of adventure. And I think the colder the weather gets, the tighter the community feels as well and the more supportive. And everybody just looks out for each other, even if you don't know each other, if that makes sense. Because it is quite dangerous, I guess, at times. It could go very wrong. So I think it's important that people do look out for each other. Yeah. And that's um, a big part of it for, for us. You do often get people... Um particularly when it's cold, sort of watching out for each other, just that they don't get too cold. You really see that a lot. And so there's a sort of bonding also through just having to take care of each other. 
I'm aware that the book is also, you know, it's full of top tips and practical things that you have both learned on your swims. Could you give us a sense of some of those maybe for anyone like me, maybe listening who thinks, hey, I like community. I'd like to get in on the hot chocolate after. What are the top things I should know? Well, I mean, the, the first one is to do it with with a group, really, a group that knows what they're doing. And, um, you know, and th- that probably, you know, wherever you are, there will be one of these groups who will coach you into the water. And that's probably more than anything else than any other bit of advice is to have someone else there who can coach you in there, but also just take it slowly. You know, you don't have to. In fact, you don't want to dive into really cold water quickly. That's a really bad idea. But, you know, just. Uh, just slowly get in there and um, give it a go is mainly what I I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you want a safe entry point and a safe getting out point and things like that. And you want to know a little bit about the water and have, you know, uh, and know that other people go in there regularly and that it's safe. And there's a lot of talk about kit. People always want to know what, what do I need? What kit do I need to buy? And I think our advice is really don't buy anything. Start in your swimsuit. And, and if you don't have any swimwear, just wear whatever you want you don't need swimwear just try it and if you like it and you want to start adding kit to to what you have then then great but you know if you're worried about cold feet you could put a pair of trainers on that go in the water you know you don't have to start off with loads of stuff and it can be a completely wonderful free pastime but if you want to swim through the winter Vicky and I don't wear wetsuits we would tend to keep wearing swimsuits all the way through but we might add some neoprene socks and gloves and maybe even a bobble hat in the winter just to keep our sort of extremities warm um lots of people wear a wetsuit and that's great as well it's just I prefer not to wear a wetsuit because there's such a faff to take off and put on but you know obviously you can stay in for a lot longer if you've got a wetsuit on so there's lots of benefits to it uh but you certainly don't need to go and buy loads of stuff and I think that's something that Every time I see someone starting, the first question is, what do I need? A hot drink is a useful thing. Yeah. <laughs> a, a towel, you know, that's it really. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. You shouldn't, one should not be put off by a lack of kit, basically. Well, I want to ask you both, we'll come to you, Vicky, first. Just what is your favourite image in the book and why? Well, actually, I've got a lot of favourite images, but um, I'm actually just thinking one that means a lot to me is there's one of the International Women's Day swim where there's a whole whole line, which someone called the barcode of happiness, of women and some men, you know, just a a whole line of people going down to the water on International Women's Day. And we did that two years running. And it's also one of my favourite memories from before lockdown and before COVID, because we did it literally in the weeks beforehand. So this is, we did it again after, after the book was published. So this was an even bigger swim with even more people. And it was just the most amazing experience. But it was literally, it was loads of people, literally weeks before lockdown. And, you know, just, yeah, yeah. what a memory. Gosh, yeah, unthinkable now after all all that's happened. Lovely. Anna, what about you? It's really impossible to pick my favourite image because every one of them for me has a story of, how it came to be one of my one of my favorites is what we call ass rock which is a picture i took of these two lovely girls who will remain nameless who both wanted to do a skinny dip photo we went down to 
a little beach near Bass Rock uh, on the East Lothian coast. We did this, <laughs> it was frozen, the, the shoreline was frozen. We walked through a farmer's field and we <laughs> he wondered what we were doing and we explained we were going to go and do a skinny dip and take photographs and he just thought it was the most hilarious thing he'd ever heard. We, we got down there and it was actually really wild. The waves were huge and it was so cold and we almost didn't do it. But then these two girls, both of whom had, had wanted to do it because they'd had quite a lot of sort of body confidence issues. And they just were like, let's just do this and just own our bodies and just say, yes, you know, we're strong, confident, amazing women and we can do this. So they did this amazing picture, you know, saluting Fife, as we call it, with their arms in the air and uh, looking over to Bass Rock. And then I got some shots and then I went and jumped in with them. And it was just the most hilariously crazy morning but I'm just really proud of the picture because it was really difficult to take on a technical level and actually just because it was so cold <laughs> as well. But it was a really, really wonderful morning. And sort of by 10 in the morning, we'd done this thing and we sat on the beach and, and had a hot drink and went back to our normal work. And it just it just it felt pretty epic. Lovely. If, if I could ask you both, Vicky, first, just what, what would your be a, your standout swim? You've done hundreds of swims with all kinds of different people in all kinds of places, but which one would stand out as the most, I don't know, the most memorable or the mo just the best? I mean, I have a favourite recent swim, which, you know, it's, I think it's always like your best recent swim. And it was actually a swim with two friends who aren't normally wild swimmers. And we went out and it was just at Wardy Bay here and it was a night swim. We just had a lovely like plunge in the water there and they were both so excited. One of them was just squealing the whole time and it was just re just hyped up my own excitement about it. And then we just sat on the beach afterwards with a bottle of wine and just chatted till late. And then there was a storm and we had to run away and all this sort of thing. It was just like a really exciting night. And I think also with it, because it was recent, and because we've had the year we've had, it felt more intense. It felt, you know, like a real moment of joy in the middle of all that. Lovely. It, it does seem to have taken on a new sort of sharpened freedom or something with all this, all the COVID, yeah, just the period we've seen because it's 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 away from that. And it's something that people could still do together when you couldn't do other things. Anna, what about you? It's hard to pinpoint this specific one, but I love a sunrise swim. That's one of my favourite things to do when you arrive in the dark and we've had some really amazing ones so it's quite hard to pick a specific one but there was one that I did at Gullen just a beautiful sunrise little beach bonfire and a, and a hot chocolate and just watching the sun come up when you're in the water is just an extraordinary experience definitely would like to do that again just before we finish then this this must have been sounds like it has been but must have been an extremely uh, fruitful and happy collaboration because you've turned your attention away from coasted waters and you're looking at dry land could you say a little bit about the forthcoming trees book vicky what's to what's to be expected in there yeah, so I mean, there's there's some of a similar formula in the fact that it's pictures of people and trees. So it's not just, although there are some very lovely pictures of trees without people in as well. <laughs> you know, I think that one of the things with taking the plunge, one of the themes for me and what unites it with For the Love of Trees is it's all about where, where people meet nature. And that's really important to me as a kind of theme in my own life and also something I'm really interested in. I think storytelling around that, around what that means to us, is really what's at the heart of 
for the love of trees. So basically, we had this plan. We were going to go around the country, meeting people in forests, at favorite trees, all this kind of thing. A bit like taking the plunge. It was going to be an experience book. But actually, what happened was the week that we were meant to go away on the first of our trips um, down south and meet lots of interesting people, lockdown happened and it became a book that we somehow had to do where Anna had to get photographs somehow in spite of all the restrictions that we had and where I talked to people about trees a lot on the phone and went out and saw trees around me. You know, but I still feel like it was a really important experience for me, but it wasn't the experience that I imagined it would be in the first place. How did you get the images, Anna? I think we got about 50 images of people with trees, 50 portraits all together or so in the book. We obviously had to change quite a lot and go with more local stories for some parts of the book where we would perhaps have liked to have spread out around the country a little bit more. But I tried to meet people on my daily walks with my long lens camera (laughs) and accidentally bump into them in a little bit of woodland that looked quite nice near home. It was a bit like that, you know, but we got there. And it was a bit of a mad dash as soon as we were allowed uh, out of the five mile restriction. I went up to the Highlands and and photographed an awful lot of people up there and did a lot of traveling around that week. And then did a week down south where I went down to London and um, I went to Chris Packham's house, which was an adventure um, and photographed him with his favorite tree. So yeah, it, we got we got there in the end, but it wasn't the easiest. And certainly location wise, I would have been wonderful if I could have gone to some of the places we had planned but we just made the most of it and I'm and I'm really proud of how it's turned out despite that so yeah and I often felt really transported to other people's forests and trees by them just talking about them I would just sort of sit and listen sometimes and imagine myself in whatever forest they were talking about Thank you so much to Vicky and to Anna. We're really looking forward to the new book, which is out next month. Um, do check out Taking the Plunge. It's a really very beautiful and uplifting book. Every day on the Book Festival website, Penpont's own Hugh Macmillan, one of the Scottish Poetry Library's champions, is curating 11 poets for 11 days for our 2020 festival. We thought we'd feature the first three of these for this episode. Beyond Criffle by Peter Roberts, Scenes of the Solway by Celia Donovan, and Waterbirth by Fiona Lindsay. And we're going to play them in that order. Behind me in this uh, murky early morning light is uh, the old stone wharf at Glen Capel on the River Nith and uh, somewhere in the background is Criffle. I also imagine I can see the Lakeland Fells in the distance across the Solway. This is the landscape that anchors this poem of memory and loss. When I was a teenager into my early twenties I climbed hills and mountains all over Britain with a good friend Aki. Then our lives went off in different directions and I've rarely seen him since then. It was a perfect climbing relationship. We didn't talk much, but on the hill it was like we were one mind. The poem is a short extract from a much longer piece that is like a love letter to those times. Beyond Criffle for Aki. 
I'm on the other side of Criffle now. At Glencaple's old tobacco key, the moonstruck river flows backwards, a clock unwinding into memory. The tide spools away from Criffle's reel, upstream, threading this other country, where we climbed Cloffer as child's play, became infected with longing for the high fells across the bay, followed them north to Grassmore, from where Criffle on a farther shore signalled where to go next. I think of Lierga running the scree, our best, our final climb, the last day it was all aligned, the hill, you and me, our hill made mind, coming down fast in the sun's last rays, a fragile freedom, giving way to a life that led 50 years on, beyond Criffle to this riverside, looking back to those hills of youth, across time's irreversible tide. Scenes of the Solway. A citrus fruit sun sets beyond bulbous bilberry hills. The last of the daylight reflects off an abandoned shopping trolley lobbed in by wayward youths and nudged to the sea for trade. She may bring well-aged driftwood or exotic oil-slick streaks in exchange. A flapping straw bonnet pokes over the top of an easel. The artist grapples her brushes in fifty shades of okra trying to capture the dying light. In town, a drunk old man yells impotent rage at seagulls, yet journeys here to murmur shanties to the murmuration of geese and becomes an accidental poet. Sometimes a seal head pops up, eyes like two shiny black pennies, or the occasional otter, hair slicked back for the occasion. And on a good night, with a well-polished moon, a mermaid or two, giggling their way along the shoreline, hunting for abandoned shoes. Water birth. When I was a child, I became the sea, holding my breath below the thunder, the throw of waves sanding down my elbows. I imagined my skin mixing with the sand, whipped away with dinosaur bones. I was wrung out by the sea and my hair was sucked out by the sea like kelp. I opened my eyes, ignoring the salted sting, the sun through javelins of light, illuminating particles of golden green. I want to taste them still. I imagine breathing in ancient waters, the untold power that would bring. My lungs would fill with taffeta waves. My fingers would turn to sand as they play a concerto into infinite blue. Then, hands around my shoulders and the water runs from my ears, a shrill orchestra of gulls. Air forces open my lungs, my lips part to drink in salt. Stop disappearing under the water, it's not safe. But the spell is not broken. I have water in my eyes and the power of the sea in my soul.
What Remarkable Work. That was Peter Roberts, Celia Donovan and Fiona Lindsay. You can read the poems and find out more about the poets in the library section of our website at wigtownbookfestival.com. That's it for another episode. We hope that you're enjoying these daily slices of audio Wigtown gold. We're really glad that you can join us and look forward to having you with us again. But in the meanwhile, take good care of yourselves. Bye-bye.